Okay. Um, there were several questions about brachot. Okay. So let's say what brachot would you make on a food mixture, like sushi or a salad with greens, yogurt with a topping, that kind of question. Okay. Is that one question? Uh, that was one question, yeah. But I feel like that opens the topic to brachot, and then we can literally go anywhere anybody wants. It's an open... Yeah, we had like a, the, the list of questions was really random. So uh, it was just whatever people, I guess, had on mind on their mind, and that's what the even the classes that we were having were kind of you know very open. We were taking all kinds of different topics up. Um, I hope it, hopefully everybody was able to get recordings if they were interested because it wasn't really topical. It was uh, it was very much uh, we would start on a certain subject and end up in a different subject, and I'm not even necessarily sure how we got from from one to the other. Um, so question about brachot. So. This is a, this is a, so what do you do with mixtures when it comes to food and bachot? So the basic rule, the basic rule is that whenever you have a mixture, you, you want to say the bracha on what, what the main ingredient is. That's the usual rule. The usual rule is the main ingredient is what determines the bracha that you say in the mixture. Meaning if you have a mix of different things and they're one entity, so you, uh, you say the bracha on the main thing. So, I don't know, to give an example, if you have a baked potato with cheese on it, the main thing is the baked potato. The cheese is a, uh, you know, is to dress the baked potato or to, you know, to add some baked potato. So you would say, boy, I'm just giving a random example, okay? There's an exception to this rule, which is if you have mizonot, things that are mizonot, like if there are, if there is any kind of wheat or barley, one of the five grains mixed in. So the five grains always take over the mixture if they are there to be eaten. So if, they are, if there's an ingredient, like a binding ingredient that is from, uh, what do they call it? Wheat starch or something like that, that, that doesn't count. But if there's any actual ingredient of wheat or barley in a mixture, so that always takes over and it becomes mizonot. But generally speaking, we go by whatever the main, the main substance is. The point of the bracha is that we're giving thanks to Hashem on what we're eating and we have to identify what the essence of what we're eating is. So the essence is whatever the primary, whatever the primary item is. Now, the, an interesting question comes up when we deal with things that are pulverized or you know, like a smoothie or, I don't know, applesauce or something like that, okay? So, what? Kuku sabzi is not what? what? Right, kuku sabzi has 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 spinach, egg. Right, right. So I've seen people say shahakol on kuku, but I think it's adama, because the main thing in kuku sabzi is either the potato or the spinach or the vegetable. So it should be adama for sure. The egg is definitely secondary in cuckoo. Because the egg is just there to bind the rest of the ingredients together. So, um, I'm an expert on cuckoo, by the way. So, uh, uh, but we could, we could discuss that another time. What is the, um, so, so, the main ingredient in that case is the vegetable, for sure. In, a, in a, anything that contains mizonot, once you bring mizonot, the mizonot always is considered to be the main thing. But what if you have, let's say, for example, before we get to drinks, before we get to smoothies, because that's a little bit different, let's take the classic situation of applesauce, okay? Seems very simple. Or, or you know, mashed potatoes. So the Ashkenazim have this belief that if something is smashed and mushed up, that it becomes shahakol. So they will take, let's say, applesauce and say it's shahakol because it's, uh, it's now it's like a paste. It's not, a, uh, it's not an apple anymore. That is not our, our view. The Sephardic view is that as long as you know what it is and it is just one thing, it's just apples and you're still eating it, it doesn't change the bracha. You're eating apples. Okay, it's a smushed apple. Apple also gets smushed when you eat it, when it goes down, Right? It's the, it doesn't change what it is. It doesn't change the identity of the food from being an apple. It's an apple. Now, if you take applesauce and you start mixing it with other things and you cook it into a dish, okay, that's a different story because now it loses its identity. But when you have applesauce as an independent substance and it, you know what it is and it's identifiable and it just happens to be 
in a creamy form instead of in a solid form, that's still considered apples from our perspective. When it changes is when you have a smoothie because a smoothie is a drink. Um, so when you have something that you take fruits or vegetables or, and you, you grind them up in a blender and you make it into a drink, so then we say shahakol on that because now it's not a food anymore. It became a drink. So it really changed its identity. But just like on... What? It doesn't matter what the ingredient is because you made it into a drink. Do you, put, you don't put grape juice into smoothies, do you? Um, it's, I'm talking about if you took solid fruits or vegetables and you made them into a liquid. You actually like blended them into a drink. Like uh, smoothies. So then, then we say shahakol because we say it's not a solid food anymore. A drink, if you, had, if you had like wine or sangria or something and you take the wine and you mix it with other stuff, it's still mainly wine. So, or grape juice. Yes, I think it's mizonot for sure. Because because it ha- that's definite mizonot. Because I'm saying what you have in there is cookie mixed in with the ice cream, and whenever you have mizonot a substance that's mizonot mixed in with a shakol, even if it's not the majority, if it's for part of the taste, then it always gets a mizonot. If it's if it's just flavored cookie like a cookie flavor, no. But if there's actual pieces, like the actual pieces in there, then yeah, you should say mizonot. I, I don't see why not. Why, you heard otherwise? If that logic follows, there's like nuts in it, like it's like almond ice cream. No, because the only time that like a secondary ingredient like uh, cookies in the ice cream is going to change the bacha is if it's a mizonot thing. Mizonot is considered like very strong. It's like almost like hamotzi, but not quite. It's like it's a very strong, uh, you know, um, it, it ranks very high. Right, but if you have, let's say, ice cream that has, I don't know, strawberries in it or something like that, you don't say hot dama because that's strawberries, because the main thing is the cream of, you know, the actual ice cream, and it's, that's just a flavoring. Um, it's a good question. I think it depends. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on the on on the uh, the way that the schnitzel is made. Um, you could make an argument that it would be mizono because it's because of the breading, right? Yeah, right. I've heard of, I've heard both I've heard both arguments. Yeah, I've heard. Of, right, the majority doesn't matter when you when you bring mizonot in. That's the problem. So I, I there's a debate about schnitzel about what the right thing to, is to do, whether that's really considered like adding mizonot to a mixture or not. Too controversial. I feel like my gut feeling is that it should be mizonot, but. I know that there are people that say. I know, but because it has mizonot and the mizonot is there for flavor, not just for binding, the argument could be made that oh, it's really just there to crisp it, or it's not really, you know, like I, I hear that, but I feel like people who eat schnitzel are eating it for the breading. They're, you know, they're eating it to have breading around the chicken. That's why I feel like it's mizonot. But I could hear, I could hear the other side. But my feeling is that it should be that way. No, because sushi is not one of the five greens. Only, like, rice is unique because rice, you only say mizonot on rice if it's cooked as a dish, right? It's not actually mizonot, it's not actually one of the five greens, right? That's why we're allowed to have it on Pesach and all that and cook it regularly because it's not one of the five greens. We say mizonot on it, but what, what do you say after rice? You say, you don't say because it's not really fully one of the five greens. So it doesn't have the same status. So that's why sushi, it becomes secondary to the fish or the whatever else you have in the sushi roll usually this the rice is just there to give it like to support it's playing a supporting role right if that rice were instead a breading so then it would be like uh, then it would become a zonona but you wouldn't that wouldn't be sushi that would be like uh pigs in a blanket or like one of those hot dog uh, things or something like that right? yes Uh, okay. Random menu. <laughs> yeah. um, so, what brachot would you have to say first? Like, can you just say mizono and you can eat the chicken and the broccoli? I keep hearing different things. Or do you have to go in order? Like, mizono, then um, adama, and then shahabo. 
So generally the practice is that we say, you know, the, the higher level brachot first. You say, it's not really, um, you know, technically speaking, you could say, Mizonot, you could say Hadama and Shakol and Mizonot out of order and you wouldn't really be doing anything terrible, but the reason why people don't do that is because Shakol hypothetically could cover everything that you have. Right? So you so so therefore they say, Well don't don't say the Shakol first because hypothetically that covers everything and also Hadama hypothetically covers Mizonot. Meaning if somebody accidentally said Hadama and Mizonot, they would also count. So you don't intend that. So like you don't, you know, it's not like if you did it out of order that you would skip the mizonot. But since, you know, since hypothetically they would cover, they're more general. Shakol is more general. So it really covers everything in theory. If you accidentally said shakol on anything, you cover, right? And hadama, anything that grows out of the ground, including, uh, including any mizonot is under the heading of, uh, of mizonot. It's not the heading of shakol, of uh, hadama. So, uh, so the ideal would be say mizonot first, then say hadama, then say shahakol. So you're not overlapping in, in, in the bachot. Now, if you have fruits of Eretz Yisrael, you know, like so if you have, let's say, you know, uh, one, of the, um, one of the seven fruits of Eretz Yisrael, so usually also we give like preference to, if you have ha'etz, and among the ha'etz items is something from Eretz Yisrael, like dates or, you know, chorma. Or whatever, so then we usually will put that. We'll put that first. We'll say the bracha on that, and it will, and let it cover everything else. So that's why, let's say, for instance, like on Rosh Hashanah, so you do first because it's what, that's in in our minhag. We, we do that first because it's the it's the fruit of Eretz Yisrael, and and that's the order. But in general, the goal is to be as specific as possible in brachot. So that's why we don't just say just say shahakol on everything. Right? You're supposed to reflect on where your food came from. So if you can be more specific and identify that it came from, you know, that it came from the ground. Or, if, you know, like if you said on, a, on a, an apple, technically it's also true. Right? And so that's why if a person said on an apple, they don't have to say, they don't have to go fix it. Right? So that's why if we have a doubt, let's say if there's a machloket, like about a banana. You know, there's a, so we say ha'adama because either way ha'adama covers even if even if it's supposed to be ha'etz. You know, if you but ha'et, it doesn't work the other way. If you say on a uh, on a potato uh, ha'etz, it's not correct. It didn't grow on a tree, right? It don't, so so that's why um, so that's why we generally that's the the order of the bachot. Like ha'adama is more general; it covers more things. So we say it later. In the order, because we want to be as specific as we can. Yes. If you're sitting at the table and you didn't leave, and let's say you're you're talking, and you had a grape, and you were intent, there are grapes on the table, and you're thinking, you know, I'm going to be sitting around and talking for a while, and you take another grape. Even if you're there for a while, you didn't take your mind away from, from, from the situation, so you don't have to say another bacha. But if you thought to yourself, I'm just having two grapes because I'm on a diet and I'm only having two grapes, and, and that's it, that's my limit, like something I would do. I'm having only two grapes. So then I take my two grapes and I took my mind away from it. So now if I change my mind and I want to have another one, I, I need another bacha. Or if you go away from the table and you come back. So if you leave, if you change your place, you have to say another bacha. The only exception to that rule is hamotzi. If you said hamotzi and you leave and you come back, you don't have to do another hamotzi. Because you're still wedded to the meal because you have to say brakat hamazon at the end. You know, but everything else we say, if you leave and you come back, you have to do another bacha. Right. So in those cases, um, it's right. It's different. You're not sitting at a table where everything is served in front of you. So if you're in, let's say, the room and they have like the smorg room or whatever, where they have all the different things and you have an idea that, oh, I'm going to take pasta from here and then I'm going to take the pasta that's over there and then I'm going to do this and you sort of like map out what you're going to have. So then you could cover with the one bracha. But if you really don't know or they're bringing out new stuff like those people that they come with the thing 
So then, because you don't have control over that, each thing is like a new phenomenon. So you say a new bracha every time because you didn't have control over that. If you have control over that and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm going to have uh, the chicken and then I'm going to go to the meat station, carving station, and I'm going to go here. And you say one bracha on the shahakol, it could cover for everything because you have it all in front of you. But when people are bringing it out to you, you can't. You don't even know what they're going to bring out. Sometimes you were hoping they were going to bring another one and they didn't bring it, you know? You could say it a few times. Because each time you're, go- you're like, I don't know if that girl's going to come back with those uh, Mizonot again. I may, may not see that again. Yeah. Oats is a complicated topic. Um, that's why I only always talk about wheat and barley. Because um, oats is like a little bit of a machloket about what the correct bacha is, even though we typically the, the custom is to say mizonot on oats, but it's a little complicated. Just everyone should know. But because uh, oats are debatable whether they're really one of the five grains or not, for many reasons. But assuming that it's mizonot, so if you put oats in your smoothie, then you have to say mizonot now. It, well, it depends. I mean, is it pulverized into liquid? If it becomes liquid, then you wouldn't. You would still say shahakol. If you put like, I was thinking of like granola on your yogurt. So that where, the, where it's still solid, so then you would have mizonot. Like I, we used to put, you know the cereal grape nuts? We used to put that on our yogurt. It was good. It's very good. We used to put that on our yogurt. It was good. I promise. If it's blended into a liquid form, it just becomes shakol because it's not ochil. It changes identity because it's no longer uh, solid food anymore. Yeah, if it's if it's liquid form, it changes its identity. You're only gonna do that changes the bracha to shakol because drinks you say shakol because it's different. You only say these different brachot when you're dealing with a solid item. Right, then you would have to say mezonot. And you also better be careful because they choke up. Yeah. That wouldn't be good. Bring it back. Sometimes they don't fully blend all the fruits. A lot of times for the... If you go to a place that makes smoothies, a lot of times they use frozen berries. You know? And then like it doesn't fully blend on the bottom. So. So I guess if you pluck out one of those blueberries from the bottom, then you'd have to say... Yeah, it's... Uh-huh. You would just say mizonot because that granola becomes the ikar of the... Mizonot has this like ability to be the ikar of anything. So like, it's just like eating when you sit down and you have hamotzi. No matter what you eat during the meal, pretty much. You know, dessert maybe is different, but like everything you eat during the meal comes under the hamotzi. Right, but if, exactly, but it's, you're not going to probably eat a whole, if you've just put a little bit of granola on your yogurt, you're probably not going to eat a whole kazayit of granola. So you're not going to need to say uh, uh, If you really go heavy on the granola, then yeah, you would just say uh, um, uh, it would, then, the granola, then the yogurt really would just be a tafel to the, to the uh, granola. But if, if you eat if if you had mostly yogurt and just a little bit of granola, so even though you're going to say mizonot in the beginning, you're going to say brain of at the end because you didn't eat a kazayit of mizonot. You didn't eat enough mizonot to justify it being a uh, being a, a, a la at the end. Because the bacha goes by a different standard than bacha rishona. The bacha that you say before a food goes by what is the main identity of the food. The bacha is what did I eat? What did I actually consume? So what I actually consumed is, in that case, really yogurt. Even though the main identity of the food, when I started to eat it, I identify it as mizonot because it has the mizonot. It's a different standard we use. Yes? How wrong is it? You said lahadik near Shal Shabbat on your on your chal. Yeah, sure. Vaimene mizonot. 
So no, you always can correct. This is the thing. If you're in the middle of still saying the bracha, you can always correct. So you say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Priya Etz Hadama. Yeah, you're allowed to do that right afterwards. If you already said Borei Priya Adama and you took a bite out of your apple, so then fine, done. Or if you, you know, if you finish the bacha and you already paused, you're not, you can't go back and fix it anymore. So if it's good, meaning if you said Adama on a, on an apple, it's okay. If you said Ha Etz on a on a cookie, okay, so then no, you would have to say another bacha then. It just wouldn't count for you. I was going to use a potato, but you took a more delicious, uh, more delicious. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. well, there's. Is there a reason you don't eat, eat the bread? Are you allergic to it? Sometimes, if it's gluten, I try not to eat too much. But right. I usually I try to. Okay, because ideally you should at least have a kazai if you can, yeah. if you can. So if you can't. It's a kazai like one slice of bread. Like I different. A is the amount you could squish into a shot glass. Oh. Yeah. So usually it's a good something like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not, a kazayit is the size of a, of a, a medium-sized olive, volume. But you have to squish it down to the, you know, to see how much there is. That's why I'm saying, you know, I use a shot glass as an example, but it's really less than that. No, it's really less than that. It's not that much. Because you should be, a person should be able to eat an entire kazayit in one swallow. It shouldn't be such a huge amount as people are like sitting there for half an hour eating a kazayit. It's the size of an olive. So, no, no, don't stuff. No, so once, so that's better because then you have Birkat Amazon and then your Hamotzi continues till you have Birkat Amazon, right? Now, as long as you're continuing to eat, your Seudad doesn't end, which means you don't have to say a new Bracha, but you, you know, you're covered at the end by Birkat Amazon. For most things, like it's a little complicated. Like if you have Hamotzi it, and, then, and then they bring... Uh, uh, hendune, um, or like right dessert or fruit. You have to say another bracha. Fruit is not covered by hamotzi. Fruit is not covered by hamotzi. Only things that are the substance of the meal, like like if you're eating choresh or whatever rice. Um, vegetables, things that are eaten with bread. Nobody says, oh, put some blueberries on my bread. They don't do that. What? Jelly would be. Jelly would be covered, but not regular fresh fruit. Jelly, yes. Jelly spreads, yes. Even olive spread, any spread like that. But any kind of... um, Olives are different anyway because you do eat them as part of the meal. But anything that is clearly not something you eat with bread, like not part of the meal, it's dessert food, so it needs another bracha before. No, drinks are different. Drinks are different. But like, let's say if you have like, you bring like cookies or cake or you bring khorma with the tea or whatever you bring with the tea. So then you would have, uh, say, another ha'etzan. For sure you say ha'etzan if you bring any kind of fruits. No, no, the Birkat Amazon covers everything. Birkat Amazon will cover you for whatever you have during the meal. Just like you don't say, let's say you drink wine at the Kiddush, you don't say you don't say uh, the al gefen at the end because the mozi is covered. Yeah, that would cover you for it if you have in mind. You just have in mind to do that, then you could do that. Yeah, if you like, if you if you had in mind to do that, it could. So that's like, for example, like when we have karpas at the seder, and you say ha'adama, and then after you do hamotzi on the matzah, you have the maror by itself. So the the ha'adama that you said in the beginning covers that maror that you're having. But you're having it separate on purpose, first. You first have, to, you first have it separate, right? 
Right, but the first maror, you're not allowed to eat with anything else. So that would be different. You would have to have it separate. Or like, so that, that's, uh, it, it would cover it. But it covers what's in the meal. Just like if you drink wine at the Kiddush, and then you have wine during the meal, you don't have to say another Boi Priyagefen because you said Boi Priyagefen before. But if you, during the week, have a motzi, and then in the middle of the meal, you decide to bring wine, you have to say Boi Priyagefen in the middle. It doesn't cover it. The hamotzi doesn't cover the wine. Yeah. That's why we cover the challah, you know, before we, or we don't bring the challah, or we cover the challah before we do the hagefen, because normally during the meal, you would say hamotzi first, and then you would say hagefen after the hamotzi. Yes? The real, the rule is, the rule is, the 72 minutes is like, sort of like a rule of thumb. It's not a real, not a real thing. The real thing is once you're hungry again. So like, if you still feel full, even if it's more than 72 minutes, you're still obligated in Birkat Amazon. If you now feel, you know, like if you feel hungry, even if it were sooner, hypothetically, you would, you know, we would, it, it, you would have a problem with Birkat Amazon. It's always better to do Birkat Amazon sooner just to make sure that you're still in the range. But 72 minutes is like given as a rule of thumb. Like most people will not be hungry again, as they, you know, within an hour if they just had a meal. You know, unless it's Chinese food. Then maybe they would be. That's the, that's the stereotype, right? <laughs> what? For a really long time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have a kazai, you eat your bread, hamotzi bread, and then you come back to the meal and you continue, as long as it's, you know, you're allowed to go and come back. You're allowed to go and come back. You know, you had in mind to go back. You weren't finished. So you're still, you're still in the middle. Well, you should try to stay within the range that you're, you know, that you are, didn't completely lose any connection to the to the amotzi that you did in the beginning i mean i guess if you went for like two or three hours it might be a problem but if you're you know if it's like a half hour 45 minutes an hour you're still you still consider yourself as part of the same meal yes Right. So Unless she didn't know how to say Rachot, then she... Right. That's a very good question. That's a totally higher order question. I like that. It's not like just a practical question. Right? The answer to that is because Hamotzi... And by the way, it only works if everyone is at the table. It's very important that everybody sit at the table for the Hamotzi. Because the idea is that because a Seuda is a social... A social event. It's not just eating. So we're sharing a meal together. What do we say? Even in, even in English, they say we're breaking bread together, right? They use that, they use that term. We're going to break bread together. A suda is social. So by definition, we're all involved in it together. So one person can say it on behalf of everyone else. But if they didn't sit down together, this is halakha. Like if you're just like walking around, even if you're eating uh, something hamotzi, you can't be you can't be motzi the other person because you haven't sat down to a meal together. It's the idea that you're sitting down to share a meal together that allows you to do that. Each person says their own. Right. Right. There's another reason for that that they give. The other reason is that they don't want one person's like eating something and the other and then they try to say amen and they choke or something like that. Each person does their own. But in, in Kiddush, for example, one person does say because that's part of the seudah. So when you're doing something that is part of an actual seudah, really you're allowed to say the bracha on behalf of everybody. Whenever you're doing a bracha that's a freestanding bracha of, on food, and there's nothing that unifies my eating and your eating. I'm eating over here my piece of bread and you're eating something, your piece of bread over there. We don't, we're not connected. But when you have a seudah together, so like we're actually sharing a meal. So that's why we're able to have one bacha over the, over the meal. That's a good question. Right. 
So in theory, you're supposed to have a meal with Kiddush, meaning you're supposed to have Ein Kiddush al-Mukom which means when they say the Kiddush, you're supposed to have some Mizonot, some kind of food that you eat afterwards. Right, the idea, right. so there are some, they're relying on a leniency that, oh, we're all in the same building, so it's considered the same place, upstairs and downstairs are considered the same location. So the meal is downstairs, but it's really this kiddush is part of the meal that we're having downstairs. That's the idea. It has to be bimkom seuda. The question is whether this location, the upstairs and downstairs in the same building is considered to be the same location. And there are lenient views that say it is. And a lot of shuls, they rely on that because it, they have everyone's attention in the kenisan. They don't want, you know, once people leave, it's harder to get everyone's attention again when they're around the table. So they do it in the, in the sanctuary. But, you know, in an ideal, ideal, you would have everything in the same physical location. Yes? In that same thing, when they're saying, someone say, do we have to drink wine always? Kiddush? So, the rule is, Friday night, it's always considered nice to take a sip of the wine because it shows that you love the mitzvah. It says, it's called chibuv mitzvah. It's like, to show that you love the mitzvah, it's always nice. However, Friday night, really, there's no requirement at all to have any of the of the wine to drink any wine havdalah there's no requirement at all during the day there's a disagreement about it whether it is whether it's required or not some people say you're really just saying just like the nighttime kiddush it's just about honoring the day it's not really about drinking the wine so you don't have to drink from that either but there are others who say that there's a difference between the Kiddush of Friday night and the daytime, which is that during Friday night, the main thing on Friday night is not the Bachav Boi Pregefen. It's Mekadesh Shabbat. The Boi Pregefen is just an intro. But really, you listen to Asher Kiddush Anu B'Mitzvotav V'Ratzavanu, da-da-da-da, Baruch HaTashem Mekadesh Shabbat. That's why I don't have to drink the wine, because the main thing is the Mekadesh Shabbat. So, whereas during the day... Even though we say a whole long introduction to the Boi Pregefen, the only bracha that we actually say is Boi Pregefen. So there's a lot of people who say you really should make an effort to drink the wine during the daytime because that's the only thing. That, it's, it's just a bracha of Boi Pregefen. How can you say you participated if you didn't have a little sip? You know? So it's even more important really during the day, if you can, to have a sip. Unless a person is allergic or a person will get sick, there are some people that they can't handle any wine for different reasons and then they shouldn't. You know, they should If they hear it here, yeah. so as long as they eat something afterwards, they can fulfill the mitzvah of the kiddush, and then they wouldn't have to say it again. If they want to say it again at home, that's also nice. Like I, it's, personally, like I always do it again at my at my actual meal before the kiddush, before the hamotzi, even if I did it in in, in the synagogue. But uh, you know, as long as you ate something, you always have to. It's in kiddush el bimkom seuda, which means you can only have kiddush if you ate something. So you have to eat like some mizonot or bread, if there's bread, but something like considered a meal to fulfill the kiddush. So if you didn't do that, so then you would have to do it again, the kiddush again at home. Any other questions? They're running out of questions. What do we do now? Are there more questions on the list? Can I ask you something? Oh, sure. What is? Oh, the charoset. Right. So, it's that I think, like our charoset at least, it's 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 not a liquid. It's a it's like a yeah, it's a solid. So you would say it's because the main thing is churma in there, isn't isn't churma the main thing? In our, it's it's mainly haetz. It's mainly haetz. I, I think it's haetz. Yeah, but if you're eating it on mizonot anyway, so you're already cov- if you're using it as a spread. Like I know that during the rest of Pesach, a lot of times we'll just use it as a spread on the matzah, so we don't end up saying any bracha because it's just a, we're using it like a jelly on, on on the matzah. But if you're eating it by itself, which I don't blame you because it's very good, then you say it's. What? About no, because then you're using it. When you use it on the lettuce, you're using it as a condiment for the lettuce. So the lettuce will determine the bacha because the main thing is the lettuce then. Then you'll say adam on the lettuce and it covers whatever condiment you put. Just like if you dipped your, 
your, your lettuce in, uh, in mustard or anything else. You're just doing it as a condiment. Or ketchup, I guess, would be more normal. On Shabbat, there is a mitzvah to have two. All the meals, even Sudash Lishit, because um, it's called Lechem Mishneh, and it's based on remembering that on Friday, when the Jews were in the, in the desert, on Friday, they always had a double portion of bread, Lechem Mishneh. So to remember that, Friday night, Shabbat day, and Sudash Lishit, all of the meals, we always use two loaves of bread. Now, if a person doesn't have two loaves of bread, because they forgot or they ran out or they had more guests than they expected and they ate through all of it, right? So uh, they can use one loaf and try to take a slice or something else to have at least the number two or take a frozen one. So as the second one, ideally you're supposed to use two whole ones. That's ideal. If you don't have two whole ones, you can use a half a challah or a slice or some, something to make two. But the ideal is to have a double. It's only on Shabbat day and Yom Tov. On other times, obviously, you don't need to have. Uh, is there any case where you would make two brachot? Let's say, like you have an ice cream in a cone. Mm-hmm. You get to the cone. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, it, I think, <laughs> you, I'll tell you, <laughs> right. So, I think if you eat the cone separately, Right? So, like, especially like a sugar cone or like a waffle cone. So, for sure, you would have to say Mizonot on the waffle cone. It's like you're, you bought it for the cone. I used to go into Baskin Robbins and say, Can I just have a waffle cone? I don't want the ice cream. <laughs> and the guy's like, But I have to charge you. I'm like, I don't care. I just want the cone. Because they would have these like fresh, it was, they were so good. I didn't, I didn't care about the ice cream. Right? So, that kind of cone, you're, you're eating it for the cone. You know? So it's a separate thing. It's not really mixed with the ice cream. It's not mixed with the ice cream. Right, those, those... Right, right. So when you finally take a bite of the cone, I feel like you should say Mizonot on the cone, I think, for sure. It's not tafil to the ice cream. It's like a separate enjoyment, for sure. Especially the sugar cone or waffle cone, it's like its own thing. Because that's like a condiment. That's a condiment already. You eat it with the yogurt. Meaning when you when you're you know when you put the fruit on and the yogurt you're eat, you're mixing it together basically to incre- like to enhance the taste of the yogurt. The the purpose of the cone does not enhance the taste of the ice cream. The purpose of the cone is to find another excuse to have a dessert and call it one thing when you're really having two. That's a real ex- it's just an excuse. Right? If you really wanted ice cream, you would get the cup exactly. Now you understand. See, that's that's the proof. A hundred percent. I'm telling you because I used to go just for the cone. So that, that's, we see the proof that that's a separate thing. Yeah. I don't know if it actually was an option. I created my, I created my own option. I don't think the guy knew I was a rabbi. I probably would have, you know, had to behave then. Okay, any more, any more questions or we have on our list? I'll get a question from the list. Okay. Somebody asked, throwing out bread, like let's say a on the table one wrapping is okay. We're not, you're not supposed to throw bread right in the garbage. That's true. But you know, one, try to put it in a separate little bag or something like that. If you, then you, just put it. you don't need to. We always have an idea that you know, bread represents the bracha that Hashem gives us, the sustenance Hashem gives us. We always show respect. We're not really supposed to throw bread, even though a lot of us do. With the hamotzi, it's like a whole thing. That the Ashkenazim, the one thing that Ashkenazim have on us that they make fun of the Sfaradim is that they throw bread and it's a halakha, you're not supposed to throw bread. But, you know, Rav Ovadia brings, you know, support for it and sort of like defends us and says that it's okay. It's, it's not ideal, but it's, you know, it has a basis. And, and uh, the reason why the throwing of bread happened is because there is a, um, there is a halakha that you're not allowed to hand somebody bread into their hand. Okay, you're not, and the reason why is because you, yeah, you're not supposed to hand bread into somebody's hand because that's what you do with an avel. When somebody's in mourning, you actually take the bread and you put it in their hands. You put the food in their hand, 
So you're not supposed to do that with an, it's like showing Avelut, God forbid, so you don't do that. So we never put it directly. We put it on a plate and put it down or something like that. So I think, I think my guess is that, you know, that throwing of the bread kind of came from that. They didn't want to like put the bread in your hand. So they like give it a little throw to show that, you know, they, they, that the idea is that when you're in a dependent state or like a poor person, they have to receive a gift from somebody. You're saying, no, you're going to pick it up yourself because Hashem, I didn't give it to you. Hashem is empowering you. You, you pick up the bread yourself and you take it. So that's the, that's the reason why the throwing of bread probably came, uh, came to be, even though it's not ideal. But yeah, we always show extra respect for bread because it's like the primary vehicle that Hashem has, sustains us. And, and so we treat it with special care. Was there another one? There were more, right? I think I looked at it. Oh, repetitive, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, in some, some community members, I think they do have a custom of waiting like an hour after hard cheeses and stuff like that. The reason why, really, according to halakha, the only rule is that you have to wait an, a six hours or around six hours, whatever it is, after having meat, before having dairy. That's the halakha. The halakha is you have to wait after meat, before dairy. The exact amount of time varies. You know, some people do five hours. They say five and a half, no five, you know, six full hours, uh, six hours, but in the winter it's shorter, whatever. They have all kinds of like different, uh, different interpretations of the time. The idea was, the idea was that it should be the next meal. Right, some people, right, the logic behind it was that it should be the next meal by the time you're having dairy after you have meat. So the, they, so the Rambam's language is like, it's around six hours. You know, he, get, he, he does a very non, nonchalant kind of description. It's around, so people take that and they say, oh, so five hours and one minute is also around six hours. You know, five, you know, they come up with all kinds of creative interpretations of it. And then there were, of course, those who followed the cut, like some uh, people that are Dutch or whatever, they, they only wait an hour and they, you know, and they, so they tell me about these weddings and where the people have meat at the wedding and the dessert by the time they're done dancing, they have like a dairy dessert because it's okay. But you know, that's not so simple because even according to that custom, you have to say Birkat Amazon first. You can't have it at the same meal. So whatever, it's a, it's, but we don't do that. So whatever amount of hours it is, right? Whatever amount of hours it is, because there were there were opinions that said that you could really just wash and do Birkat Amazon and it's a new meal and that's, that's enough. So they're kind of like, make, that one hour is actually just like a, a stringency because they're trying to say that we're, you know, we're separating by an hour. Really, they just think you can do Birkat Amazon now. So, um, so uh, because separate meal. We, we wait time, whatever that amount of time is, and uh, that's from meat to dairy. The, there is no halakha of dairy to meat, but the thing is that certain cheeses are very pungent, like Parmesan or hard cheeses, and they leave a flavor in the mouth for a while. So there are some people who will wait an hour uh, after they have um, pungent cheeses. There are some people that will wait even longer than that. I think some Ashkenazim wait even longer than that because they say that the, it's only hard cheeses, not like cream cheese or anything like that. But hard cheeses, because they do leave like a pungent flavor in the mouth, and then you're going to eat meat with the flavor in your mouth. Halachically, really, that doesn't count. It's not really a concern. But if that's the custom of your family, then, then a person can keep that. And it's good to respect our minhagim. But if it's not the custom of your family, then it's definitely not required. Do you, why do you not like sudash nishim? Our community has, it's one of, one of the biggest challenges of our community is Sudash Lishit, but it's because of the late prayers. Meaning like in, in Israel, I get home from, from morning tefillah on, on Shabbat, no later than, even if I go to the late minyan, which is at eight o'clock, that's a late minyan. And I go to the late minyan, I get home at 10 o'clock, right? So like... We, if I go to that, right, if I go to the, to, to, to an earlier minyan, then I get home even earlier. So our morning meal is breakfast, basically. It's like brunch. Let's say brunch, we'll have brunch, and then we'll go to Minchad around like one thirty two o'clock, and then we have like our Sudash Lishit is actually our main meal. Like if we have meat or chicken or whatever, we're having it at Sudash Lishit already. 
So that's the way it was actually intended to be. Because if you read the Rambam or anybody who describes this, the, the order of the day of Shabbat, he says you go to pray Shacharit, you come home and have Kiddush and, uh, and I mean Musaf also, whatever. You come home and you have Kiddush and, and, and uh, the meal. Then you go to Mincha and then you have Sudash Lishid and you eat and drink until the end of the day. Right, so that was how they, meaning that was how they divided the day into, into those parts. Because really the morning meal is supposed to be like brunch or breakfast and the afternoon meal is supposed to be like, um, like a late lunch. And then there's like Malava Malka afterwards you're supposed to have in Motzei Shabbat, like some, something. So, it, so it's an obligation. There is an obligation of three meals and it applies to men and women. Like it's a clear halakha that both men and women have to do three meals. Um, even, both according to Svaradim and Ashkenazim, I mean, it's a, it's a, because everything related to Shabbat, men and women are equal. Some people say that, oh, there's even an extra reason because that we're remembering the ness of the man. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, where do we get the idea of Sudash Lishit from? Because Moshe Rabbeinu said three times to the people to eat on the day of Shabbat. He said, Ikhlu hayom, ki Shabbat hayom uh, lashem, hayom lo timtu basadeh. Three times he said the word hayom today, meaning that you should eat three times. So, and he said, and, and he was talking about eating the man, so to remember the man, also to have the three meals of, of Shabbat as part of that. So men and women have to do that. Now there is a, there are opinions that say, oh, you don't necessarily have to have bread, you could have mizonot, some people say you could have uh, other filling foods that are not even mizonot, there are different opinions. Um, ideally, a person should have a kazayat of bread and fulfill it the correct way. If a re- person really can't do that for whatever reason, so then they can tr- do mizonot or they can do some filling food, but, you know, a piece, you know whatever it is, a filling food that is not, uh, that is not mizonot. But ideally, a person should do hamotzi also for the third meal if they can. It's, it's, it's difficult, especially on, on winter... Shabbatot that are very short, especially, it's difficult. That would be your morning meal. Another thing you can do is you can end, you can end your meal, you, you, you can end your meal on Shabbat day. At, let's say you, you start at 1.32 o'clock, whatever you're eating. Eat, do, do Berkat Hamazon. And go do something else for an hour and come back and just have a, you know, have uh, another hamotzi and have a small piece of bread. And, and you do a token sudash lishit. You know, that, that also works. You know, you know, meaning, assuming your meal ended late, so you don't have, like, appetite for a lot more food, but you could eat one more piece of bread. So you, after Birkat Amazon, you have to take a little break. You can't go right away to the hamotzi again. But, you know, do Birkat Amazon, go uh, play apples to apples for an hour. Right, Rachel? That's what we would do back in the day. And then uh, Rachel used to be a frequent apples-to-apples apples competitor at our house. Um, and then, and then uh, it's a very fun game. Everyone knows what apples-to-apples apples is, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think Karen was asking, was holding Sorry, before, and, 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 and she... I've heard that if you're only a little confused, then you're ahead of everybody else. No, you have to have kiddush first, yeah, of course. Have kiddush first. Right. You can't eat before kiddush. No, no, of course. Yeah, you have to have kiddush. Coffee for sure. Coffee for sure. For, you know, really, men at least are not supposed to eat before tefillah. Coffee is not considered eating because it's considered just to wake you up, you know. The prob- if you're going, the, the basic rule is if a woman is planning to pray shacharit, so she's allowed to eat even though it's before Kiddush. If she knows she's not going to Kanisa that day and she's going to do Mincha instead of shacharit, so then she should say Kiddush before she eats on Shabbat morning. If you're planning on going to pray in Kanisa and you know you're going to have prayer, so then you wait to do the Kiddush until after the morning tefillah. That's the rule. But if you know you're not going, or you don't feel well, or something, you're just you're not going to make it that day. So you do kiddush before. Um, what about like being buried before your meals? It's okay. There's no real rule of meat and wine on Shabbat. There's a rule of meat and wine on Yom Tov. On the daytime meal of Yom Tov, there's a rule of having meat and wine. 
On Shabbat, the reason why we generally choose meat and wine or meat or chicken or whatever is to give, because most of the time what we consider to be an honorable meal that you know, respects the day is meat. But if let's say a person doesn't like meat, they're not under an obligation to eat meat during the day. The only time you have meat obligation is Yom Tov, you're supposed to have meat. So like, even if I, let's say once in a while, we'll have a dairy or a par of meal, on a Yom Tov, so my sons and I will go and have like meat after, like a piece of meat and just to, because we're supposed to have meat on Yom Tov, <clears throat> but you know, it doesn't have to be on Shabbat. On Shabbat, it's oneg, it's whatever you like. You don't, you don't, Yom Tov day is the main thing. On Yom Tov day is the main thing. The only time where there's a mitzvah simcha at night is on the night of simcha Torah, or Shemini where it's considered a Simchat night also. But the other day, the other Yamim Tovim, uh, the main Simchat during the day. So you would be allowed to, it goes by actually when they used to, when they would eat the Korbanot of the Chagim. So on the regular Chagim, they would eat the Korban meat as their, they would eat the meat of a sacrifice, the meat of a Korban as their meal of the day of Yom Tov. Okay? On the daytime. Nighttime they wouldn't have that, but on Shemini Yatzeret they did. On, the, on Hoshana Rabbah they would do a korban in the afternoon, and they would they would eat that meat, the nighttime meal of Shemini Yatzeret. So therefore, there's also an idea of eating meat on the nighttime of Shemini Yatzeret. Although it's not as people are not as careful about it as uh, officially careful about it as they should be, but it's important to do it. And I mean, I don't think it's really an issue for most of us because we're always eating meat. Persian people for our Shabbat and Yom Tov meals, like dairy is is not that frequently. You don't see it really on Shabbat or, or Yom Tov, but there's nothing wrong with it if a person wants to be... What? Shavuot, they have dairy, but even then you're supposed to have meat after or something. You don't have pure dairy. So night or day on Shabbat, you don't have to have meat. There's no obligation of meat on Shabbat. The only idea of doing it is to give kavod to the day. So like, let's say you, you eat meat, okay? You should have your meat meal on Shabbat. Why are you, why are you not having your nicest meal of the day, why are you, of the week? Why are you having on Thursday? You know, have it on Shabbat. But if you don't eat meat or you don't like it, there's no special obligation to have it on Shabbat. You know, only if you like it. Yeah. Right. Right. That sucks. Right. Right. Yeah, as long as it's still new too, you could still do the bracha. Yeah, technically the bracha is when you buy it, but people don't do that. They wait till they wear it. Um, it's really hakonek ilim chadashim. The Gemara says when you when you buy it, but most people they wait until they they wear it. But yeah, as long as it's still new and you still feel new, like if you w- remember a year later. That's probably too late. What if you've been fit in it for a few years? Okay, so then it's a Shecheyano because now you fit. Then it's new. Again. Then it's new. Oh, you mean you didn't? You wore it before? No, because you still have the same thing. That's like the trick that you do with kids, where you put the toys away, and then you're like, "Look, new toys! I put them in the closet." Yeah. Um, if you if you've worn it before, then no. If you never could wear it because you didn't fit in it, and then you waited and you were able to fit in it, so then the first time you use it, you. Then I wouldn't say the bracha because it's safik. It's the doubt of bracha. We always leave it out, but you know, if you're, it, but also nice shoes. You could say it's also shachem. Nice shoes. Nice shoes, not like sneakers, things like that. Yeah. Expensive sneakers, yes. Nice. Why? Why not? Shoes, clothes. It's the same thing. What's the difference? They were considered even more in the olden days. Shoes were like a luxury. If you had shoes, you were you were rich. Most people walking around barefoot. Yes. A beautiful new thing. I mean, I've never heard of people saying a shechiano on that, but it makes perfect sense that you would. I mean, if a person, the reason we don't say shechiano when we get a new house is because you have a mortgage. Yeah, because like you don't really like, yeah, you, you own the house in theory, but you're going to be paying for the next 30 years, right? 
So like that's why if a person paid for a house in cash, they would say shechayano. When you buy it, when you when you pay when you close, we would say shechayano. Yeah, but if you if you uh, if most of us the the bank basically, I mean, you do own it, but you know, essentially, the bank could take it back at any time. It's not really, you know, you're going to be paying for it for the or like if a person bought a beautiful new car. I think they would uh, say shachianu unless they're paying car payments. If they're paying car payments, then it's not they, they don't they didn't fully buy it yet. It doesn't you know it didn't fully buy it yet. And then by the time they're done paying the car payments, it's old now. Uh, yes. Um, I'm not sure if you covered this in past classes. Um, can we discuss the Sephardi halacha with meat and fish and meat and dairy? Okay. Meat and dairy. Do you mean meat, meat and fish? I mean, right? You mean dairy and fish, right? Fish and dairy. That's what I figured. You mean. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay, that's what I figured. You got me nervous. <laughs> um, I, I ate at your house one time. No, I was. <laughs> um, uh, so, th- the basic thing is, meat and fish together was considered to be a medical a medically dangerous thing in the times of the Talmud. And so the Chachamim codified in Halakha not to eat it together. And I think that that has really become an established custom, pretty universal, not to eat them together. Do you have to go wipe the fork? Do you have to switch the plate? People go to different extents of separating the meat and the fish. Um, but I think it's a pretty established thing. And you can see even... In modern terms, even if even if whatever the Gemara thought that you would get sick from it or whatever, even if that wasn't exactly correct, but one of the explanations that they give for why meat and fish shouldn't be eaten together is because you could choke on the bones, you know. And I think that's a very reasonable uh, concern. You know, a lot of times if you if you serve fish that has bones in it, it, people can choke, or especially kids and things like that. So like they didn't want you to eat meat or other smooth things with it because you would, you know, you could potentially choke on it. That's one of the reasons given for it. But either way, that's a pretty well-established thing, not having the meat and fish, but it was originally a health concern. So there are some people who are like, no, we don't have to do it anymore because it was old from the olden days. Um, but I think it's an established thing. Everybody follows it. The dairy and fish yeah. is, uh, so what happened was, this is kind of a, a story of intrigue. There was a typo in, a, uh, in an old sefer that accidentally, instead of saying meat and fish, said dairy and fish. And this typo crept into first the Bet Yosef, which is the large halachic work of Rav Yosef Karo, and then even into the Shulchan Aruch. And so the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch said, you know, this is a typo. It was supposed to say meat and fish, not dairy and fish. But there were many others who said, look, it's written in the book and it's written in the Shulchan Aruch and therefore, you know, once it's in the book, no matter how it got there, we don't worry about that. We go by what's written in the book and we don't eat. So there are many Svaradim that don't eat fish with dairy when it's cooked together, but they'll eat it when it's not cooked. There are those who will not eat it at all. Uh, they won't even have lox and cream cheese together. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Ben Chaim told I heard directly from Rabbi Ben Chaim that it's okay. okay. In fact, he didn't only, not only did Rabbi Ben Chaim tell me that lox and cream cheese is okay, he said it's very good, you should have, you should have it. <laughs> so so, that, so I, that, that was what he said. That was a few years ago. I, I haven't got an updated um, up, update from him, so I assume that he still maintains the same. But yeah, he actually said it's very good. It's, it tastes good. So he, he clearly eats it because he was saying that from experience. Yes? You you have to. I mean, ideally, a person's supposed to drink more than just a sip. If they're if they can't, so take like one cheekful is enough. Like like basically one. No, because you're doing it for the mitzvah. Yeah, I mean during the daytime kiddush, you're allowed to use like uh, other liquor, but that probably won't help you if you don't like wine already. You probably don't like liquor either. I knew I, I saw people do like vodka, do things like that. 
you know, schnapps, like Ashkenazi people, they like to use, you know, other hard liquor and they say shakol instead of kefen. But, they, but if you already don't like wine, I'm assuming that's not going to be in. Yeah, I see for people me, do that, yeah. But recently I was told that like, you're not supposed to, and if you do, that, like, you have to be very close to the fire, so you can feel it. Like, there's very strict regulations. You don't have to feel it. Like, like feel the heat of it. Like, it, it, not that like, such fire, but like, yeah. that there are more regulations to the Brachot of Abdullah than people think. You can't just, like, of the Borei Moria particular? We have to smell the Bissamim. Right, so ideally, the best thing in Havdalah is whoever is holding the cup of the Havdalah should say all the brachot. Because the ideal is for the brachot to be said over the cup. So that's why the correct procedure really is that the person doing Havdalah should always be holding the cup. They say, even when they do Bissamim, the Shulchan Aruch says you're supposed to take the cup, put the cup in your left hand, take the Bissamim in the right hand, Say the bisamim, hand it around, then put the cup back in the right hand and hold the bisamim in the left hand when you do the left rachav hamavdil. Because in between, you're going to do the morim ish. Also, you should be holding the cup. So it's really that the cup, it should all be over the cup. So that's ideally only the person doing the havdalah should say the brachot. Now for morim ish, the thing is, it's a bracha and the benefit that you get from the light. It's not just a bracha on... A concept, right? So like, let's say for example, a person who can't see, if a person is blind or, you know, they cannot see, they can say birkata levana. Because they're not saying abacha on seeing the light. They're saying abacha on the existence of the light. On the existence of the moon and the light. Okay? But havdalah, you're saying it on your own benefit from the light. So you have to be able to see it had, you have to be close enough to the light that you could actually use the light for something. You could tell the... That's why a lot of people, they put their fingernails. Okay? It's not to see if their nail polish chipped over Shabbat. <laughs> they do that because they say they're looking at the difference between the nail and the flesh of their finger. That's what they're distinguishing, meaning they want to be able to use the light to do something. So, they're, so the, the, the fact that you could see the difference between your nail and your flesh of your finger means that you're close enough to the light that you're actually benefiting from the light and then you could say the bacha. That's the idea. If you can't, now here's a trick. If you cannot get close enough to the light, you are allowed to do the bachot of bisamim and moriya ish after the havdalah if you missed it. Meaning, let's say for example, you don't have bisamim. You don't have it. You don't have a candle. So you can say Borei Priya Geffen and Hamavdil and then go to somebody else's house afterwards or come here, uh, you know, come to the synagogue, get the Bissamim, say Bissamim, get the Morei Ha'esh and say Morei Ha'esh on Saturday night. You're allowed to do that even not on the cup if you didn't have those items available to you at the time and you get the mitzvah afterwards. So if you were, let's say there's a huge crowd and you can't get, like they're saying Havdalah and the Kanisa and it's up here and you're back there and there's no way you're going to be able to benefit from the light so then it's better to come afterwards up and say the Bacha yourself. So everyone, everyone in the crowd can make the other Bacha, not only the person making the If they're being say with the person making Havdalah, it's better for them to just listen to the, to the Bacha. But if you can't see the Moriha Ish, so then afterwards you should go and say it for yourself. Afterwards. Like, meaning if you're listening to that person's havdalah, you shouldn't talk in between. You should just listen to their bachot. And then afterwards, go up and do the bori maria ish on the, uh, on the candle. That's the... I don't know about that. I've never seen that. I've seen the putting wine in the pockets and all that. I never saw knocking on wood. I didn't see that one. Really? I don't know. The original knocking on wood was, a, was something from Christians. Right. Because it was knocking on the wood of the cross. We don't want to do that. Yeah. It, if you if you can't smell it like you it really it disgusts you and it grosses you out then say it on something else but if it's just that you don't particularly like it it still counts you don't have to love it 
Like we use rose water a lot of times. Not everybody loves it, but you're still getting like the fragrance, even if it's not your favorite fragrance, you know. Maybe we should just take one more because it's getting late. I don't want to keep everybody hostage. Yeah, one last question. Go ahead. You're the, you're going to close us out. Yeah. So, in so on Saturday night is ideal to say havdalah. Obviously, if you don't what? Right. So, only on Saturday night can you say the whole havdalah. If you let's say Sunday, you need to say havdalah. Sometimes it happens in bad situations like somebody passes away and so Saturday night the family is oninim, which means that they didn't bury their relative yet and they're having a, a funeral on Sunday. So they can't say Havdalah yet on Saturday night because, because they... Uh, that. So they have to do it on Sunday after the funeral they come and they say the, they say the Havdalah. So they don't say Bisamim and they don't say Borei Merei Ha'esh. They only say Hagefen Hamavdil. Which is what we do when, uh, basically on Tisha B'Av, we say Borei Moriah in the Kenisa because that's the one Bacha we can say. Right? But the, the, on Saturday, on, you know, after the fast on Sunday night, we just say Borei Priya Gefen and Hamavdil. We don't say Bisamim. So that's what you do anytime you defer. So it's true, you have till Tuesday to say Havdalah. So let's say a person, for some reason, they don't have wine. Let's say they're traveling in uh, Timbuktu and there's no kosher wine. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere, there's no kosher wine. And there's no way you're going to see kosher wine until Monday. So you could use liquor. So according to Svaradim, you should always use like an, an alcoholic beverage or grapes. Grape beverage, like grape juice, right? According to Ashkenazim, you could use grape juice. You could, I mean, you could use orange juice. You, and they sometimes use uh, other kinds of liquor. But yeah, they use orange juice too sometimes. Um, let's say there's no beverage available to you for whatever reason, right? Or let's say a person was not feeling well and they couldn't do it for whatever reason. So if it's Monday and you do Havdalah, you just say Hagefen and Hamavdil. That's it. But you can do it until Tuesday. That's true. The reason is because on, once you get to Wednesday, it's already considered that you're leading up to the upcoming Shabbat. You're already in the mentality of Shabbat is coming. Like tomorrow, we're already thinking Shabbat is coming. We're not thinking of the last Shabbat anymore. You know, but as up to Tuesday, we still feel like we're in the first half of the week, and we're still, we're still on the uh, feeling the, the some of the glimmer of the previous show. Okay, so thank you everyone for coming. Ezat Hashem. You know, obviously. Uh,